This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com I had an interview one time with a fine young man who said, well, at least we still have some allies in the church. And so far as we have allies in the church, we have hope. Hope for the future of the church in these times of corruption, scandal, and communism. Good morning. This is Mike Parrott. I am the host of Parrot Talk. This is a daily radio broadcast here on the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, Monday through Friday. Today is the 12th day of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2023. And I was thinking about that interview that I had had with this young man, and he even asked me, he said, do you think I'm being Pollyannish about the whole thing? He asked me off camera. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, because I listed that at least we have allies in the church right now, like Cardinal Sarah, Cardinal Burke, Bishop Strickland, Bishop Schneider. I said, and? And who else? Well, okay, those four. But as long as we have those four, we have hope, don't we? At least that's what he asked me. My final answer to his question about whether or not he was being Pollyannish was, yes, you are. This is John Henry Weston for LifeSite News, bringing you breaking news out of Rome. The Pillar has just learned that Pope Francis had a meeting on Saturday with regard to cancelling or forcing the resignation of Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas. LifeSite News has also learned separately that the former Bishop of Tyler, Bishop Carrada, is actually in Tyler, Texas, visiting uh, through September. And uh, those are very suspicious circumstances indeed. Let me tell you here what the pillar wrote. The Pope met... Before we get to the pillar, we're talking about Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas. He's outspoken, conservative, very pro-life, the only bishop in the United States to oppose the death vax. The only bishop that I know of in the United States to publicly oppose the death vaccine. Here's what the pillar wrote. August 9th, with Archbishop Robert Prevost, OSA of the Augustinians, uh, the head of the Dicastery for Bishops and Archbishop Christophe Pierre, Apostolic Nuncio to the United States. Both are cardinals-elect, in other words, selected to be cardinals. The three bishops, by the way, who are on the committee of Pope Francis to deal with bishops are... Bishop Provost, as mentioned, uh, Prevost, as mentioned, but also Cardinal Supich and Cardinal Tobin. So, uh, in terms of recommendations, it's like the left leading. It's all these men are terrible leftists. The pillar says, "The quote: the situation of Bishop Strickland is the agenda," and that's coming from a senior official close to the dicastery who spoke to the pillar. And he continued saying, the expectation is that the Holy Father will be requesting his resignation. That will certainly be the recommendation put to them. Uh, the official said there are two aspects. There is the matter of the public scandal from all these comments about the Pope and the Synod, but there's also real problems in the diocese. Those were the focus of the visitation. There are concerns in the diocese about governance, about financial matters, about basic prudence. And it's interesting, you know, that's the diocese with probably the highest per capita seminarians. That's the diocese that's doing well financially. But no, no. 
All of that is not good enough. Bishop Strickland told me in our interview about, you know, things are going well from an administrative point in his diocese. Things are going well in the diocese of uh, Tyler, Texas. So well, in fact, that they need to be investigated. Because what's going wrong, the uh, administrative mismanagement that is being alleged here, the, the, the worst thing you can do as a Roman Catholic bishop, not only in the USSA, uh, with, with, the, with the USCCB governed by uh, absolutely terrifying people like Whirl and Tobin, etc., Supich, the worst thing you can do in the USSA is succeed, is have your parishes operate in the black. His parish is cash flow. And the reason why his parish is cash flow is because they're not empty. And the reason why they're not empty is because he allows priests to be conservative in his diocese. They didn't lock down or to the extent that they did, they actually they did lock down, but they were one of the first to open up. They have opposed the death vaccine. They have called COVID for what it is. And so there hasn't been a major breach of trust between the clergy in Tyler, Texas, and the clergy elsewhere in the USSA, where everyone pretended to be scared of the flu. The second reason why he's able to keep so many parishes open is because he has so many seminarians and so many priests. And the reason why he has so many seminarians and so many priests is because people have flocked to him. Conservatives have flocked to him from around the country. And so he has the vocations and he has the manpower to keep the parishes open. Rather than do what Subic is doing in Chicago and others are doing elsewhere all around the world, from Germany onward, Rather than consolidating the diocese into three or four mega parishes, supercenters, mass supercenters, where you have 10,000 or 20,000 parishioners concentrated in one mega parish with three priests, seven masses on a Sunday, he hasn't done that. He hasn't needed to do that. And that's why he is perhaps under investigation because he has financially mismanaged the assets which have been bequeathed to him. Namely, he has refused to sell the valuable real estate that the Catholic Church holds under his purview uh, and donate it to Peter's Pence, i.e. Francis's slush fund. So because he has not given sufficiently to Francis's slush fund in Peter Pence, because he hasn't sold down his real estate, cashed in, gone for the liquidity, because he has the manpower to run a diocese where there's a few hundred people for every priest, there's a real connection there, real, real pastorship, real stewardship, stewardship of souls, well, then he is, he's doing something wrong. He's under attack. An observation I need to make, actually, I'll let John Henry Weston of LifeSite News finish out uh, his analysis, and then I'm going to give you something that John Henry missed on this. Uh, I, not because he missed the mark, not because he doesn't know this, but because 
you know, he wanted to put out a three minute video on Twitter. And this is not one of the points that he chose to make. I don't know where he stands on this issue, but I'm going to tell you what I think is very important about all this. But nevertheless, there we have it. The official predicted that the Pope was unlikely to decide to depose Bishop Strickland, says the pillar, um, but that he would be encouraged to resign. Um, the, the official told the pillar, and I quote, the consensus in the dicastery is that he will be asked to consider resigning. That has been the substance of discussion among members. Depending on how the bishop responds, the strength of that encouragement could be increased, uh, said the informant. And uh, so here's the interesting part. Bishop Strickland is a strong bishop. If you go and rewatch my interview with him, he knows what he's doing is right. He knows that he's loving our Lord. And this is the man who is in adoration for a couple of hours before Mass every single day. Pray for Bishop Strickland, but be assured that Christ is in charge of his church. And it's a glorious time to fight for Christ in his church. It is a glorious time to fight for Christ in his church. I have no doubt about that. And I agree with John Henry West. And I think that's an excellent point. Here's the point that John Henry could have made, but didn't. So many of you have looked at irregular or canceled priests in their faces and said, why don't you just go join Bishop Strickland? How many of you have done this? Be honest with yourselves. How many of you have gone online or gone out to Twitter and said, hey, Father Altman, why don't you join Bishop Strickland in Tyler, Texas? I mean, Strickland himself went out to Twitter in the wake of Father Altman getting canceled, and he invited Father Altman to his diocese. He said, hey, you have a safe place here. But the question is, is it really a safe place? In an age where Frank the Tank, Chaos Frank, regularly sacks bishops, you know, the bishop that he sacked in Puerto Rico was one of the only bishops on planet Earth who opposed the death vaccine. The Pfizer Pope does not abide those who oppose the experimental serum. The Pfizer Pope rules with an iron fist. John Henry Weston of LifeSite News is reporting that there will be varying degrees of pressure applied to Bishop Strickland, so that he does resign. I think Bishop Strickland is a loyal son of the church. I think that it goes against the grain of who he is to oppose who he thinks is the Pope. And if the man whom he believes to be the Pope the sovereign pontiff tells him to resign, then he will, out of obedience, resign. But this goes to a misunderstanding that we as lay people really have about the vows that clerics make before God to each other. Clerics make vows of Chastity and poverty and obedience. A cleric who makes a vow of obedience is not making a vow of obedience to Joseph Strickland. 
He's making a vow of obedience to the Bishop of Tyler, Texas. To the Roman Catholic Bishop of Tyler, Texas. Whomever that may be. Yesterday, it may have been Strickland. Tomorrow, we don't know. So when you make a vow of obedience, the question that you must ask yourself is, can I live with my vow of obedience to you and your successors? And if the answer to that question is not a resounding, affirmative, morally certain yes, then it's a fake vow. It's not a real vow that you're making. If you're making a vow to Joseph Strickland, but in your mind you have mental reservation about who may be the next Bishop of Tyler, Texas, and your plan is to bolt if it's a Supich-style liberal, then you're not making a real vow, and therefore you are committing a sacrilege because you're making these vows before God. And you're making a false vow. That's a big deal. So for all the people who said, well, Father Altman should go to Tyler, Texas. Well, I guess it's a good thing he didn't. For all of those who said that Father Martin Navarro should go to Tyler. Well, I'm kind of glad that he didn't do that, personally. Or Father Gerke. He was another attendee. At the Congress, down in Louisiana, Father Gerke didn't make a vow to Bishop Strickland. And you know who else didn't make a vow? Brother Andre Marie. He never made a vow to Bishop Strickland or to the Bishop of Tyler, Texas, and I'm sure glad he didn't. You know, another interesting note is... uh, Michael Voris was making all these big plans to move down to Tyler, Texas. He was getting cozy with Strickland there for a little bit. Guess you're stuck in uh, Michigan in fabulous Ferndale there, Voris. What's my point? My point here is, and this is something that John Henry Weston didn't get to, and I don't know how he feels about this particular issue. I've never asked him. Maybe someday I will. But for the coalition of canceled priests, I mean, half of them could have joined in Tyler, Texas. Where would they be now? Would they have to bolt twice? Would they have to get canceled twice? How about the coalition of twice-canceled priests? If you're canceled once, are you presumed innocent? If you're canceled twice, are you still presumed innocent? These are very serious questions, and they require thoughtful answers. More thought needs to be put into this than what can be fit than what can fit into a standard-sized tweet. And yet, most of the armchair theologians out there are running around calling guys like Father Altman schismatic, or Father Martin Navarro schismatic. I, what, what, where, where some see schism, I see prudence. I see men who maybe could work well with Joseph Strickland. 
maybe they would work just fine with him. They would add value to his diocese. It would be a mutually enriching relationship. They could help each other get to heaven. They could help the souls underneath them get to heaven. Maybe that could work for a while, for some amount of time. But what about the vow of obedience to the successor and the successor's successor? You know, we as lay people, we have it pretty darn easy. They move your priest around, you get a new priest. Oh, you don't like him? Okay, just drive somewhere else. If you get tired of that, move. Just get up and move. I did that. I was so appalled and disgusted by some of the modernist quote-unquote trad priests that I had where I lived a couple moves ago that I just moved. I moved to a place in the country where I would have so much access to the traditional Latin Mass and so many different priests that it would be statistically unlikely that every single one of them would be a mask-loving modernist. And that turned out to be pretty good. Pretty good bet. Even during the COVID lockdowns, even in the height of the hysteria, my family and I, thanks be to God, through nothing that I did, did not miss one Sunday Mass or one Holy Day of Obligation. Not once. We were never without the sacraments. Thanks be to God. How many folks out there had it the same way? I think very few. I think the answer to that question is very, very, very few people had constant access to the sacraments. And if you live in a place like Chicago, where it's a big, big city, there are a lot of Bogus Ordo Catholics, very, very few Latin Masses. And they're wanting you to drive 90 minutes, two hours, three hours. It becomes less and less plausible with a minivan full of children. So I get all of that. I get all of that. I'm not sitting here bragging to you like, oh yeah, Mike never missed mass during the lockdowns. How do you do that? Well, you know, I got 15 Latin masses all within an hour and a half of me. That's why I live where I live, in the heart of America. The Latin mass heart of America. I don't know of any other place in these United States with a higher density of traditional Latin masses than where I live now. Maybe, maybe per capita, some places edge us out. But on the whole, for a massive geography that I'm envisioning and for a big population base, I don't think, I mean, we have the, we are diversified across two dioceses. We have all three of the major players, plus some district houses, plus some seminaries, plus some diocesan, plus some irregulars, some skizzies. We've got everything going on here. And not only, not only that, not to mention that, we're not really infected by left coast or east or east coast Catholics. 
So when the pandemic so-called happened, most of us never wore a mask. Most of us never locked down. Most of us never accepted the narrative. And I think ultimately that's what Joseph Strickland is in trouble for. I think the Pfizer Pope doesn't forget and doesn't forgive, speaking of mercy, he does not forgive those clerics who were disobedient to Pope Pfizer. If you did not support and endorse the sacrament of Pope Pfizer, part of the anti-church, if you have an anti-church, you have to have an anti-pope. And if you have an anti-pope, you have to have anti-sacraments and anti-sacramental theology. So part of the anti-sacramental theology is that unless you are born again of the Pfizer shot, then you have no life in you. That's part of the anti-sacramental theology, and that is why the Pfizer shot is the anti-sacrament of baptism. Except it goes even further. In the real sacramental theology, the sacrament of baptism is administered one time, and it's fully efficacious. It removes original sin permanently. It makes sense, of course, then, that in the anti-sacramental theology, that the anti-sacrament of baptism, i.e. the Pfizer shot, would not fully remove the original sin of human DNA. In fact, it would require regular maintenance, booster shots, boosters as a lifestyle, in order to continuously alter your human DNA, in order to continuously not work against the thing that it claims to work against. That is such a perfect fulfillment of the anti-church and the anti-sacramental theology that I can think of no other way to say it. Remember the anti-liturgies that the Covidians had? Remember the Covidians with all their dancing priests and nuns? They were all dancing to the satanic song together. They were dancing alongside the nurses. The nurses who are the front line in the anti-religion. The anti-religion of science, of empiricism, of skepticism, of naturalism. The anti-religion rejects supernaturality, supernaturalism. There is no grace. There is nothing unseen, unmeasurable. There is nothing supernatural. There is no other life outside of life on earth. That's part of the theology, if not ecclesiology, of the anti-religion. And so, Pope Pfizer, the anti-pope of the anti-religion, is very displeased with Joseph Strickland because he was the only bishop in the United States of America, the USSA, to oppose the anti-baptismal Sacrament, i.e. the Pfizer shot. Pope Pfizer wanted to spread his anti-evangelical 
commandments throughout the globe to all corners of the earth. Anti-Pope Pfizer wants no baptisms in the Roman Catholic Church, celebrates bishops in the Amazon for not baptizing children, any children at all, people at all. The last thing he wants are conversions to the Catholic faith. He outlaws proselytism. He endorses non-baptisms in the Amazonian region. But what he does require, strictly require, is baptism in the anti-religion. Anti-baptism in the anti-religion, and that is why I call him anti-pope Pfizer. Because his great commission is the inverse of the great commission of our Lord Jesus Christ, where our Lord says, go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. The anti-religion and Pope Pfizer give the opposite command. They say, go out and unbaptize all nations in the name of Pfizer, Moderna, and Big Pharma. Whereas Christian baptism removes the stain of original sin from our souls, in the new religion, the mRNA shots remove the stain of humanity from our bodies. They make us less human. They change our RNA. They change fundamentally who we are physically. One is a change to the soul. The other is a change to the body. One is an improvement to the soul, an enrichment, an accretion of grace. The other is violence to the body, is mysticism, is poison. You see, the two religions couldn't be more opposed to each other. And this is not even the only sacrament that I can talk about. But the gulf between the two religions is widening. And it's widening to the point where even guys like Bishop Joseph Strickland, whom I will tell you, I don't think he has very good aesthetics. I don't think he has a heart for Catholicism, an eye for beauty. I don't think he's culturally Catholic. I don't think he's very, very interested in a return to the Roman rite. But the gulf between the two religions is so wide now that even a guy like him falls into the gap created by the two religions. The separation is palpable. It is wide. You can't bridge the gap anymore. You know, that's what Pope Benedict tried to do. 
He tried to bridge the gap. He invented this thing called the hermeneutic of continuity. Where he tried to argue that the vulgar right, the vulgar religion, is the same as the Roman right, the Roman religion. And he, and he duped a lot of people. He tricked a whole lot of people. And part of his trickery was Summorum Pontificum. By releasing Summorum Pontificum, people's guards were dropped. They assumed that the war had ended, that they had won, that there was a concession to the traditionalists, to the conservatives, and that it was time to disarm and let the wounds heal. That was 2007. Fifteen plus years on, Samorum has been dismantled. The traditionalist orders are under attack. The traditional Latin masses and dioceses and archdioceses have been given a ticking clock. Oh, and if you don't believe me, just look hard. Just look around. There is a two-year ticking clock on every single diocesan mass in the United States of America. Some bishops are more honest about that than others, but there's a two-year clock. And in the interim, between now and those two years, more and more clerics will be pavoned. The pavonization of the clerical class will continue. More and more will be Strickland. Stricklest. Stricken from the rolls. I believe that they are going to lay aside Father Altman. I believe that they are going to lay aside Archbishop Vigano. I believe that they are sacking Bishop Strickland, and if he goes in peace and he shuts up, they won't have their way with him. But that is the threat that they're going to make. When the pillar comes out and says they're going to use various degrees of pressure, that's the, that's the level of pressure, maximum pressure, as Trump would call it, that they're going to levy against Joseph Strickland. If you go quietly and you shut up, you get full retirement, you get benefits, you get your pension, you get to be a bishop. But if you make any noise about this, you won't even be a priest. You'll just be a laicized layman. Do you understand? We're not messing around here, Joseph. I would bet a paycheck that that's the real conversation happening. Because that is the conversation that has happened to people that I know and love. And respect and revere. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the stakes of this game are high. Because when you have two competing strains of the same philosophy, it's like a family feud. Nobody hurts you 
like the people who are closest to you. Nobody hurts you like those whom you love and who allegedly love you. If a stranger flips you off at the corner, the street corner, to me, it doesn't even elevate my heart rate. It's bemusing. But I can't even imagine... Literally, I, I, my, my mind cannot even imagine that same behavior from somebody that I loved. From a Mrs. RTF. From a little RTFling. It defies my brain's ability to even imagine such a scenario. This is why civil wars are the most bloody. In civil war... You're fighting amongst your own family. It's a family feud. That's why they're the most violent, the most bloody. We lost 650,000 men in the Civil War in these United States. And most people still don't even know why. We've been at war in Iraq and Afghanistan for a generation, and we've lost five or 10,000 men. Five or 10,000. Five or 10,000. Versus 650,000 in a civil war that lasted less than half the time. Other civil wars have been equally bloody. You see, when two competing variants of the same virus are at war with each other, it's, it's game on. No holds bar. And right now, we have two competing religions vying for dominance. There is the Roman Catholic religion which believes in the salvific mission of our Lord Jesus Christ, which acknowledges the presence of sanctifying grace as a means of our salvation and which claims that the sacraments of the Roman Catholic Church are the exclusive means of sanctifying grace available to mankind on earth. Period. There is a Lord and Savior He gives us grace, and that grace is transmitted through the sacraments, which come to us through the church. That's it. That's the central thesis of the Roman Catholic Church. That's the central thesis of the holy sacrifice of the Mass. It is, by its nature, a sacrifice. We have that version of Catholicism, and then we have anti-Catholicism, which says there is nothing supernatural, there is nothing beyond what the eye can see, there is no afterlife, therefore we must have a socialist paradise here on earth. Faith is subordinate to science, science is superior to faith. 
And that is the religion of Pope Pfizer. And that is why the knives are out. And that is why, even though we were supposed to have disarmed back in 2007, July 7th, 2007, 7707, Samorum Pontificum, oh yay, we won, it's over, everyone calm down, we have our Latin masses guaranteed, well, guess what? No, you don't. And if you fell for it back then, how can you fall for it again and say, hey, Altman, why don't you just go with Strickland? Because you know what? Tomorrow there might not be a Strickland. And very likely there won't be. That's why. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. This is Paratalk here on the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. Very short segment when we come back, but a very important one. I don't want you to miss it. It's just a replay of some of the some of the way that they demonized us. Us COVID skeptics. When we return here on the Crusade Channel, live talk radio. The way it should be. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Paratalk. On the Crusade Channel Live, talk radio the way it should be. Here every single day, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Broadcasting from the heart of America. You can send me an email at restoringthefaithmedia@gmail.com. This is the fastest hour in radio. Partly because <laughs> sometimes I can do a full hour, sometimes I can't. But also because you are just coming down off the high of listening to the King Dude. And those are big shoes to fill. But I need you to not only fill them, I need you to check out the podcast, New Christendom Daily Podcast, wherever podcasts are available in the new Christendom Daily Podcast, you are getting a huge chunk of this show for free. Send that to your friends. That's going to hook them. They'll start listening to the first 20 minutes of Paratalk. They'll say, who is this guy? I got to get more of it. And they will join you and become Founders Pass members. That's what we need to happen. To spread the word. So that we can talk about the issues that you actually care about. And keep the lights on in this place. So go ahead and check out the podcast version of this show. It is the new Christendom Daily Podcast. All right, without further ado, in this shorter, sweeter segment of mine. When the chips are down, these, uh, these civilized people, they'll eat each other. You are the unvaccinated. You are the problem. It is the unvaccinated who are the problem, period, end of story. The only people that you can blame, the only people you can blame, this isn't shaming, this is the truth. Maybe they should be shamed, are the unvaccinated. It's time for the start 
blaming the unvaccinated folks, not the regular folks. Anyone you came into contact with will blame you, as will the rest of us who have done the right thing by getting vaccinated. Because frankly, we know that we can't trust the unvaccinated. I think it's time to get our moral house in order, Anderson. It's the unvaccinated who are the threat. All those vaccinated folks are going to start wearing masks to protect the unvaccinated folks. It's called a Christian value. You're basically punishing the vaccinated uh, for the, the sins of the unvaccinated. People are not behaving honorably. The unvaccinated are basically saying, well, it's open season for me. I can do whatever I want as well. The, the unvaccinated are basically beating their breasts and running around the country saying, ah, we don't care, we're living free and so forth. We've been patient. But our patience is wearing thin. The unvaccinated, a group that includes children and people acting like children. And the rest of us are starting to get pissed off. The vaccinated feel the unvaccinated are making me upset or angry. This is not about freedom or personal choice. Well, my freedom is being kind of disturbed here. No, screw your freedom. The other day, Howard Stern weighed in with a much different approach. Take a look. <laughs> when are we going to stop putting up with the idiots in this country and just say, you now, it's mandatory to get vaccinated. Their freedom. But you're treading on our freedom and you're making other people sick and really you're killing other people. The anti-vaxxers, they seem to have a thing for death and home remedies. The anti-maskers turned anti-vaxxers are not just putting their own lives at risk. If that was the issue, we could just say that we can watch them compete to win places show in the Darwin Awards. We have to start doing things for the greater good of society and not for idiots who think that they can do their own research. And don't get me started on the lunatics who won't take any of the COVID vaccines. Life is too short to be an ass. Life is way too short to be ignorant of the promise of something that is helping people worldwide. Maybe you're doing it because um, you're, you're disconnected or disorganized. Maybe you have some sympathetic psychological reasons but maybe you're just being antisocial oh you can't shame them you can't call them stupid you can't call them silly guys. yes they are those who are not vaccinated will end up paying the price the unvaccinated should be taxed uh, they should pay more for health care we need to start looking at the choice to remain unvaccinated the same as we look at driving while intoxicated we're going to see and i've said almost mm -hmm. two types of america dr fauci said that if hospitals get any more overcrowded they're going to have to make some very tough choices about who gets an icu bed I don't, that choice doesn't seem so tough to me vaccinated person having a heart attack yes come right on in we'll take care of you unvaccinated guy who gobbled horse goo rest in peace wheezy pointing back to the unvaccinated who are really creating a problem in this country every death that we are seeing from covid could have been prevented literally the only people dying are the unvaccinated and for those of you spreading misinformation shame on you shame on you I don't know how some of you sleep at night. Shame on you. I don't know how you sleep at night. All of you unvaccinated. You're all the ones that are spreading all of the disease. Literally, the only ones. You're the only ones dying of it. You're the only ones spreading it. You're the reason why everyone else has to wear a mask. It's not a Christian virtue. And on and on and on. Do you not see... How these people who are aligned with Pope Pfizer are not evangelizing the anti-sacrament. The vaccine is meant for everybody 
because everybody has the stain of original humanity. And original humanity needs to be corrected. If you were born into this world and you're a human being, you were born into original human existence. And that needs correction. Now, in the Christian world, that does need correction because you inherited original sin on your soul, and so baptism removes that. But in the Covidian religion, the anti-religion, you were born with human DNA, and that needs to be corrected. You know, it's the same way, like, I get asked this all the time. People find out that we're having another child, and they're like, oh man, that's a lot. How many are you going to have? And I simply say, you know, as many as God sends me. And people ask me, well, aren't you going to get fixed? Or guys will say, I got fixed. Or women will say, my husband got fixed. Fixed. Repaired. Because in the state in which you were born, you were broken. Do you see the anti-religion at work? The anti-religion believes that there is something fundamentally wrong with human beings in their natural bodies as they are born. The anti-religion believes that if you are born, you need to be repaired. You need to be fixed. And the way to fix you, the way to repair you, is to vaccinate you, is to cut off the tip of your penis, is to uh, force you to wear other clothes, force feed you high-powered testosterone, to chop off your breasts, top surgery, to yank skin from your thighs off and uh, surgically create a fake penis? Do you understand now that this is all part of the same anti-religion? The belief that as you are born, your body is insufficient. It must be vaccinated. It must be violated. You must be fixed. You must be repaired. If you're a woman, your uh, ability to have children should be removed. Your tubes should be tied. If you're a man, your ability to reproduce should be removed. Your balls should be snipped. I, 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 what kind of society do we live in, ladies and gentlemen? I ask you, what world do we live in where human beings born out of their mother's womb must be, quote-unquote, fixed? And most children today aren't even born in a natural way. Most children are just cut out of their woman's womb. Oh yeah, guys, I'm going in for my pre-scheduled C-section because my doctor says that I'm high risk. Oh really? Why are you high risk? You're 31 years old. 
well, it's my second child, and he just says, you know what, we're just better off. It's more convenient for him at 10 a.m. on Friday, so at 10 a.m. on Friday, I'm just going to have this baby chopped right out. Do you see how the anti-religion, the superstition of naturalism is supplanting the old religion? In the old religion, we prayed to God. We relied on God. We asked for God's providence. In the new religion, we just control the weather. We need more rain for crops, we'll seed the clouds. We will fix what is broken in nature. It is the old religion versus the new religion. And anti-Pope Pfizer stands clearly on the side of one and not on the side of the other. Bishop Joseph Strickland stands somewhere in between, and that's why he is now falling through the crack. He's falling... Oh, through the gulf. Because he had some instincts towards the true religion, even though he kind of mostly is for the new religion. But whatever, you cannot straddle it anymore. You could straddle the gulf while it was widening insofar as you could do the splits. But eventually the gulf is so wide that it's wider than the lake span of the human legs, even at a perfect 180-degree split. And if you are in the center, you will fall through the cracks. This is just like the American Revolution, by the way. In the American Revolution, there were a relatively small number of quote-unquote patriots. There was a pretty good and sizable chunk of quote-unquote loyalists. And there was a massive population of meh. I don't want to intervene. Let's just, just tell me what our new government's going to be. I'm an apathetic. I don't care that much. I'm not going to fight either way. Fighting is ugh. I'd rather do Netflix and chill or whatever the version of Netflix and chill was in the 18th century. That's more or less where we are today. To where even if you're a, meh, just leave me alone. I do believe in God. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to make waves. If you're that kind of Catholic, if you're that kind of bishop, you're falling through the crack, baby. You're falling straight through the gulf in between the two religions because there is no middle ground. You're falling to your death, Your Excellency. And that is what I think we're seeing right now in Tyler, Texas. And it's unfortunate, and he needs our prayers... But unless Joseph Strickland is willing to join the coalition of canceled bishops, party of one, unless he's going to join the coalition of canceled priests, unless he's going to go rogue and face laicization, then he's going to go quietly into the night. 
he will be strong-armed into silence, and he'll occasionally let things leak out through some of his trusted people, and they'll report on it, and then he'll have plausible deniability, and he'll play this game with Rome where I didn't say that, just my, my, my emissary said that, I said that, but I never said that, and you don't have proof of that, so keep my pension going. That's more or less what is going to happen for the rest of Joseph Strickland's life. I'm calling it right now. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be callous. I don't mean to be obnoxious about it, but I'm just telling you what's going to happen. It is what it is, ladies and gentlemen. We cannot expect manliness, holiness, or her- or, or, or hero- heroism from, uh, well, from anyone anymore, but especially from clergy. I mean, this is a man... I, look, I know that you guys... I, you guys are like, oh, don't attack... I'm not attacking him. I'm not attacking him. I'm just here to tell you, he con celebrates the Novus Ordo with his brother bishops in Texas, okay? If you con celebrate the Novus Ordo on, on Thursday... And then go say a Latin Mass on a Friday, you're straddling two religions. And if the gulf underneath your feet grows wide enough, you either have to choose which religion you're going to be a part of, or you just fall into the cracks of nothingness. Because there is no middle ground anymore. Period. And that's it. That's the choice. You're faced with the same choice. We all are faced with the same choice. And as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. I hope you make the same choice because you only get to decide one time. This is Paratalk on the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. Thank you for listening. God bless you, and I will see you tomorrow. This is Paratalk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. Restoringthefaith.com.